Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertilife, the podcast. This is episode 247 called Jesse Jaskulski. This podcast is sponsored by Receptiva DX. Receptiva DX is a powerful test that has helped thousands of women who have experienced recurrent pregnancy loss or IVF failure. The test helps detect inflammatory conditions of the uterus that might be preventing you from becoming pregnant or staying pregnant. The most common underlying condition of a positive Receptiva DX test is endometriosis with or without symptoms. If you or someone you know has struggled with IVF, Receptiva DX may give you the answer and treatment protocols that you're looking for. Talk with your doctor about Receptiva DX because the journey is so worth it. Plus guys, InfertileF listeners are getting $75 off the Receptiva DX test. So all you have to do is go to ReceptivaDX.com or download the app Receptiva DX, use code InfertileAF23 and you'll get $75 off. Thanks Receptiva DX. Today's episode is sponsored by my friends at Binto. In 2016, fertility nurse Susie Devine realized women were doing too much guesswork around finding the right supplements based on their provider's recommendations. Today, Binto gets you your supplements in individual daily packets with your name on them, which is really awesome. Binto makes it easy to stick to your supplement routine and enjoy taking them every day when you have more important things to focus on. But that is not all. Along with your supplements, Binto's health providers offer online chat support and telehealth appointments to make sure you feel supported, informed, and empowered when it comes to your health. Take the quiz and get started on your prenatal supplement routine. Head to mybinto.com, that's M-Y-B-I-N-T-O.com. Take the quiz and enter promo code InfertileAF for 20% off your first month. Again, that's mybinto.com, M-Y-B-I-N-T-O.com, and enter promo code InfertileAF for 20% off. Thanks, Binto. All right, guys. So today's episode is with the super sweet Jesse, a friend of mine I met through Hey Mama. And she has a family building journey that includes a lot, including losing her son Luke at 22 weeks gestation, and then discovering that she had Asherman syndrome, and then going on to go through a surrogacy journey, and then become a surrogacy concierge herself today because she wants to give back to this community as so many people on my show end up doing, which is amazing. So we're going to hear how she had her two little girls named Lily and Luna. Love those names. And she's going to tell it all in her own words. So without further ado, this is Jessie's infertility story. Jesse, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm really happy to talk to you. Happy to be here. Always happy to share all these stories. So let's start with my first question. Did you always want to be a mom? Yes, I did. I always, ever since I was a little girl, I was playing Barbies and, you know, had very extensive stories about the mom and the dad and as I got older, American Girl dolls, and yeah, always wanted to be a mom. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> so what did you know about like having kids growing up? Like what was your sex education like? It was pretty much like don't get pregnant, similar <laughs> to what I've been hearing you say on everyone you've talked to. Totally. Not anything about fertility issues, egg preservation, just you know, using a condom to um, have protected sex. 
Yeah, that's that's the theme. And hopefully we can change that, right? Absolutely. Okay, so then flashing forward a whole bunch, what happened when you met your husband, started to try? Did you guys were you guys on the same page about like what kind of a family you wanted to have? Yeah, we were always on the same page with that. And I got pregnant in 2016 on our first try. So I was just like this little spring chicken. And we went through the first few months of my pregnancy, very uncomplicated, smooth sailing, so smooth that we actually had traveled to Arizona around 21 weeks after the anatomy scan to go on our baby moon right around Christmas time. And when we were there, we were in Scottsdale. We were trying lots of like the different cultural and ethnic foods. And I started to have really debilitating stomach pains. This was Christmas Eve morning. And Michael and I brushed it off. We thought perhaps it was some of the food we had had the night before. And then I began bleeding and we realized something was really seriously wrong. And we just went to the closest hospital and we found out that I was in full-blown labor. Okay. And I was actually experiencing contractions. Mm-hmm. That must have been terrifying. Yeah. And at that point, they, well, we looked at the nurses and we could tell by the look on their face that something was just really, really wrong. And they were giving me medications to try to stop the pregnancy and get an amniocentesis to figure out what was going on. But ultimately, they just were not able to stop the labor. And my son was born, his name is Luke, um, around 22 weeks. Okay. So what happened next? We flew home. This was, this was Christmas. He was born on Christmas, flew home, began the grieving process. I took a traditional leave, you know, not a maternity leave with a baby, of course, but just a leave to process what I had been going through. My parents were in town a couple of weeks later and I, it felt like I was peeing myself, but I was actually hemorrhaging. And we, I was so scared. I, um, long story short, I got to the um, hospital. They ultrasounded me. I had retained placenta mm-hmm. and I had an emergency DNC. And that is the catalyst for all of my secondary infertility that were, was to follow. Mm-hmm. Can we backtrack though a little bit to when Luke was born? Like, tell me yes. about all of that um, and whatever detail you're willing to share. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of hey, people the, the, ho- the hospital was absolutely incredible. They they asked how much time we wanted with him. Some people, it's too much to hold him. We we elected to have him in the room in and out at different times. And we were holding him. And just like, so we could feel like we had that time with him. They gave us like blankets and they ended up when we came home, sending us like a package. They had taken pictures of him and I've never shared them with anybody, but my husband, of course, it was just, mm-hmm. a very, you know, it's a 22 week old baby. So it's just Mm-hmm. You know, it can so be a lot. Was he born sleeping? Yes. Okay. That's yes. so hard. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And tell me a little bit more, if you don't mind, just kind of about when that happens and what are the, you know, the so many emotions, obviously devastation and, you know, huge amounts of sadness. How did you guys deal with that? Like together as a couple? We went to grief counseling. Michael, my husband, joined the first few sessions um, and kind of sprinkled in throughout. And I stayed with a grief counselor much longer to help process it. I just knew I wasn't going to be able to handle something like that on my own. And Mm -hmm. I was also at the age at the time I was in my young 30s and everybody around me was pregnant. So it was like just not it was not only grieving a loss of my son, but then just inundated with babies and pregnancies and 
It's so people hard. getting pregnant easily. So mm-hmm. there's just a lot going on. Right. And did you have friends that you could talk to about this too? Or like anybody that you'd connected with that had been through a similar experience? My friends and family were absolutely amazing in terms of supporting me, but none of them, I guess I should say, fortunately, had been through something like this. And what were some of the things that you learned, like when you did connect with people in like groups and stuff, like just about getting through navigating this, like, yeah, worst, and just like a, worst nightmare scenario, right? Yeah, and just how to cope with it, feelings of not just it being only me that something like this has happened to, and just this sense that there is a community of people who have suffered something really unimaginable. And one thing that really struck out to me was a lot of people would be like, well, let me know if you need anything. And it's like, I don't know what I need. I'm hysterically crying on the couch right now. Like it's so much more helpful to just, you know, I'm going to come over and do your laundry. I'm going to just drop something off rather than like putting it back on the grief, the person who's grieving, because you're just now you're giving them another task. Like they're totally adding to their list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now I have to think of something else. Absolutely. That's such good advice. And, you know, obviously people mean well when they say that, but I caught myself doing it, but then I try to like, yeah. Right. But it's so much better to do something specific. Like I'm bringing food over on Tuesday night. What time is a good time? Or I'm going to put something on your front doorstep. You don't even have to come out. Or if you want to, I'm there, you know, or sending a DoorDash card or, you know, stuff like that, where it's just doing it for them. You know, it's, I think that makes it a lot easier. I'm so this episode is brought to you by Vegamore. I'm always trying to do right by my body. So when it comes to my hair and scalp health, finding a product that actually works and is made with clean ingredients always seems like a trade-off. But with Vegamore, I get products that are made with clean ingredients and give me visibly healthy hair and scalp. With Vegamore, I am able to have noticeably thicker, fuller, shinier, longer hair, all without the harsh ingredients. Every cute pink bottle of Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Okay, so I got my box of Vegamore products and I've been using them all for the past month. The shampoo, the conditioner, the grow hair serum, the hair foam, the eyelash serum, the eyebrow serum. It's been about a month, like I said, and my hair really does feel stronger and thicker everything looks better. And the shampoo in particular, I have to say, smells really good. The key is consistency in your routine for your most beautiful, healthy looking hair. I use Vegamore Grow Hair Serum daily, and my hair and scalp are feeling better than ever. Here's another cool thing. Vegamore has these great value kits like the Grow Essentials Kit, where you get to try more than one amazing product at a time at great savings. So when you sign up for a monthly subscription, you save more and you never run low on the products that you need. And fun fact, guys, Vegamore sells one bottle of the Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. So here is the deal, my beautiful listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off your first order by going to vegamore.com slash infertileaf and using code infertileaf at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash infertileaf, code infertileaf to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash InfertileAF, code InfertileAF. Thanks, Vegamore. Sorry, so you guys, okay, so back to where you were saying. So you went to Arizona, you said? 
That was where we had the loss. I'm from so Baltimore. You had the loss in Arizona. Okay. You yes, we were on our baby moon. Gotcha. Um, so when it happened, we weren't with our friends or our family. We were totally by ourselves. And then we came, we flew home. And the only comic relief, and it's like not even that funny, was that my husband's wheeling me in Arizona through the wheelchair to get onto the plane. And it's all these elderly people in their wheelchairs and me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like, this is just like this, such a bizarre, surreal experience right now. Absolutely. And it's like that whole thing, like sometimes you just have to laugh or yeah. you'll be like just a puddle on the floor. Exactly. Like sometimes you just have to, I try, I'm, I'm a lighthearted person, like just right. trying to see some of the lightness and right the magnitude of what's going on. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about those next, you know, couple of weeks or a couple of months or you know, what, what were you guys thinking about? It's hard to like, think about next steps in terms of family building, right? I'm sure when you're still so mired in the grief. Exactly. And there was just like this longing to be a mom. Like always have wanted to be a mom. I felt like it was so close. I had been feeling movement at that point Mm -hmm. um, when we had the loss, which I, which is a little early for movement, but we were feeling a lot of movement and it was just unbelievable trying to get through the, and we thought once I had a couple periods. I would probably get pregnant again because we had such an easy time. We didn't realize the devastating impact that that delivery had on my body. Mm-hmm. So you said that that was part of what played into your secondary infertility. So you had the retained placenta, you had to have a DNC. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Like what exactly happened? So I went to a high risk um, doctor just to like plan what would happen. Should I become pregnant again? Because we didn't know if I had incompetent cervix or we didn't know if I went to preterm labor with really just no good old good reason and just to come up with a plan. And when she had heard I had an emergency DNC, she said, there's a very small chance you can have Asherman syndrome and that scarring of the uterus. She's like, it's a very small chance. Just keep an eye on your period. See if they seem light or if you miss any. And if you do, you might want to take some next steps. So I didn't really invest in much in this. She gave me like a, I don't want to misrepresent the percentage, but a very low percent of this happening. Long story short, series of doctors, tests performed. They did a test at the IVF clinic and they weren't able to perform it because they couldn't get the catheter through essentially because I had so much scarring. Okay. And that pretty much, then they went back to an, uh, an OB that GYN that specialized in Asherman syndrome. And sure enough, that's what I had. I had a surgery to then remove it and they put a balloon catheter in for two weeks. I was like in a wheelchair again. It was just like, had you ever heard of Asherman syndrome before? Okay. So for people that have it, or, you know, maybe somebody's recently diagnosed with it, what do you know about it now? Like, what have you learned about Asherman's? There it's a, so it's scarring of the uterus. Mm-hmm. And when it's removed, it can make your lining too thin to implant. That does not an embryo to successfully implant. That does not happen to everybody. I was in some Facebook support groups and there were women that did successfully have a pregnancy after the scarring was removed. I was just not one of them. My mm-hmm. lining never got improved after removing the scar tissue. Okay. So then what's the diagnosis for you after that? They remove the scar tissue and then they let me try some IUIs. And um, I had one of them, I had three. One of them resulted in a chemical and the other two just resulted in a negative pregnancy test. And then we're getting ready for IVF. And Michael and I are thinking, am I the safest person 
to transfer an embryo to. If we're going to go through the trouble of making embryos, we have now two hurdles, getting pregnant and staying pregnant. So we Mm -hmm. have the loss of staying pregnant, making it to a safe gestation, Mm -hmm. and then also just getting pregnant, having a nice thick lining that's going to, you know, have a trans, a successful transfer. And the one moment of frustration was no one really, none of the doctors would say, yes, you are black and white, a candidate for surrogacy. They, they kind of let you make, they give you the autonomy, which I, I understand that vantage point, but I was really wanting someone to help me confirm whether this was a good decision for me or, you know, the best route because surrogacy is so expensive. I loved being pregnant prior to my loss. I like enjoyed it. Yeah. It was just really us having to make that decision, just given what we, given everything that had happened. Mm -hmm. I know that's so hard, you know, whatever crossroads you're facing when you're going through infertility or assisted reproductive technology, I feel like there's so many points where I remember this with myself too. You're like, I just want someone to tell me what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and it just doesn't work like that. And you have to make these, your own decisions a lot of time based on the information you have at that moment. And it's, it's scary and it's hard and there's no like playbook. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So we ended up going through an egg retrieval and we had a successful IVF cycle. We were really fortunate in that. So even though we were going through surrogacy that we were going to have our embryos that were genetically related to the both of us. Okay. So what did that look like success wise for you? Um, The first time we had, I want to say we had four embryos that were genetically normal. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, um, or th- we had four and then we went through testing and then we had three and then we went through an agent, a traditional surrogacy agency to match. How did you find the agency? So we found the agency because where we go to the beach, um, in the summer, there's a really large gay community and a bunch of the guys that we, my in-laws are friendly with use the sur- surrogacy agency. So there was a safety in numbers. We didn't go through that process of interviewing a bunch of different agencies because everyone had spoken so highly of this particular agency. And when we met with um, the woman on the phone, she was just, we, we instantly clicked with her and had a really good feeling. Mm-hmm. Okay. So did you know anybody personally who'd use a surrogate? Um, I, like I said, I had known some of these guys, um, in the, right, the guys, but in not okay. like a, a, a close friend of mine or a straight couple that had to turn to surrogacy because of something with wrong with, you know, the woman that she was no longer able to carry. Okay. So you found this great agency clicked with them. What was the process like for you guys? Like, I mean, it can be really, really overwhelming, right? It's insanely complicated, all of the different factors that are involved. Um, mm-hmm. You fill out an application and it's like a dating profile, essentially, mm-hmm. because you, people, you know, you these gestational carriers are reading it and deciding if they want to help you complete your family. So it was like definitely that feeling of almost like a first date, what to write, how to word things. Right. And was your husband as invested in it as you? Like, were you yeah. guys filling all this stuff out together and all that stuff? Absolutely. Um, I was working full time and we would treat it like our second job in the evenings. We're mm-hmm. researching everything together, um, you know, completing the applications, figuring out the how we were going to afford it, just all of it. He was definitely, I was very fortunate that I know infertility can really like rock relationships. And he was just really amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell me about when did you finally match with somebody? We matched about, I want to say three months, which was really quick, um, into having submitting an application. 
And um, she was awesome. She was from Utah, which we was a little further than we had hoped being in Maryland. And um, we met her in person when she came in. They have a medical clearance day where they are evaluated physically. And then you do a group counseling session just to make sure you're on the same page. And we loved her and her husband. Um, we get ready for the transfer. We moved on to, I should back up, we went on to legal. We went ready for the transfer. And then um, a couple days later after the transfer, we found out she was expecting. Amazing. What does that feel like to get that news? We we couldn't, we were just so thrilled. And the fact that she was testing like four days post-transfer and seeing a faint line, it was just unbelievably exciting until she started to have pancreatitis. She was rushed to the hospital. She had a very rare reaction to the IVF medication and she miscarried. So sorry. That's yeah. so devastating. We, I remember when I got the news, I was, um, I was a speech pathologist and I was doing a teletherapy session. I just like slammed my computer and it was just, I remember Michael was running home from work to be with me. And it was just, we couldn't believe we were going through another loss. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's with a surrogate involved too. It's a, you know, different experience than you'd had before. What was that like talking to her about it too? Well, it was like this sense of like feeling protective over her and like wanting her to make sure she's okay and that she's safe and that, you know, she's going to miscarry, you know, without, and she didn't need a DNC, like just that she could like manage at home and just like making mm-hmm. sure she was getting the care that she needed, but then also managing our disappointment, the thousands of thousands of dollars that were just lost because absolutely sometimes when there's a miscarriage, you would try again with a surrogate, but the reasons why surrounding why she miscarried, we had to break our match. It was mutual and we had to go back to the drawing board. So everything we had done, we had to start from the ground up again. Oh my gosh. So how long did that process take? And how long before you matched with somebody else? Uh, I want to say another four months, but what happened was the agency did not find me this person. I was active on Facebook support groups and somebody messaged me and was like, you seem really nice. I love that you're just like you know, I I wasn't posting for myself. I was more commenting on other women's journeys and wishing them luck and praying. And she's like, you just seem really nice. Are, are you still looking? And mm. we were, and I was a little nervous because it was Facebook. Um, now I wouldn't be, but um, so I had her apply to my agency since I'd already paid them. And mm-hmm. then so she applied for the agency and then, you know, we officially matched and she did ultimately carry our oldest daughter. That's so amazing and cool. Yeah. Had she been a surrogate before or was that the first time? It was her second journey. Her second journey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So can we unpack that a little bit? Tell us about, you know, connecting with her and then, you know, the transfer and all that stuff and finding out again that it had worked. It was just, she seemed so nice on Facebook. We were talking through Messenger for a while. Like I said, I felt a little nervous. Michael was a little nervous because we had hired this agency. the, The matching fees are astronomical. And So we were just like, is this really legit? And then as soon as our agency evaluated her, they're like, yeah, she looks great. We started talking more, um, just texting. We started to become, develop a friendship very organically. And then we met in person again, similar to my first one um, for her medical evaluation. And she was just so kind, just really, really wanting to help somebody complete their family. You just can't imagine that there's people out here that just, want to help you make your dreams come true. And now a brief word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Ritual. 
Ritual knows that it's basically impossible to get all the nutrients you need from your diet 100% of the time. So they made a multivitamin that helps you focus on what's important, like filling key nutrient gaps to support foundational health. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is my go-to morning vitamin, and here's why. Ritual multivitamins are 100% made traceable with high-quality key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms so you can trust what you're putting in your body. Delayed release capsules are designed to dissolve later in the small intestine, an ideal place to absorb nutrients. They're non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen-free, and vegan. And you guys, they have this minty or citrus essence in every bottle to help keep things fresh. And you know what? It actually makes taking your multis every day enjoyable. So instead of striving for perfect health, aim for supporting foundational health. The great news is that Ritual is offering my listeners 30% off during your first month. Visit ritual.com slash to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 plus or prenatal to your subscription today. And here's a quick caveat. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Thanks, Ritual. I mean, I've, I've said this before too. I think surrogates are so selfless and, yes. you know, it's, it's almost like incredible how, yeah. how much of a sacrifice they make. And just when you find somebody that it works out with, it's such a, like such a amazing experience, I'm sure. Yeah. She's her and her husband are just so wonderful. Um, we had, and she had a great pregnancy up until around 30 weeks and she developed preeclampsia and they, she was in Kentucky at the time. That's where she lives. And so Michael and I flew down to support her. She ultimately needed hospital bed rest. Oh, wow. And they had three kids. So we, her husband wouldn't be able to, you know, he had to also help at home. So we wanted to make sure she was supported in the hospital. So mm-hmm. Michael and I went down to the hospital to care for her. And wow. How long were you there? Total a month. Um, But it was about 10 to 12 days until our daughter was born. She was born right at 33 weeks. And then she had a two week NICU stay. Okay. Okay. So um, was the NICU in Kentucky? Yes. Yeah. She okay. wasn't, we were lucky. They were able, they knew she, they needed that um, our stational carrier Amber had to deliver, but they were able to give her steroids, which really beefed up my daughter's lungs. And I think mm-hmm. really helped our NICU stay, but she wasn't mm-hmm. in the safe enough. It wasn't safe enough to travel just yet. She needed gotcha. to grow and, you know, they didn't want her to travel, but yeah. We right. Were, so. so how old is your daughter now? Three and a half. Okay. And so as somebody who works in, you know, in the surrogacy industry now, where, I mean, we're not done with your story, but I'm just, you said gestational carrier. Do you interchange like GC and surrogate or what's your take on the terminology with that? I do. I, um, I feel like now traditional surrogacy, I, it's, it's so uncommon that people kind of loop surrogacy and gestational carrier together when it's interesting. Now I've been looser with it. When I was expecting my oldest daughter, I always said GC because I wanted to make sure everybody knew that my daughter Lily was genetically my baby. It was, it was important for me, but Mm -hmm. now that even since then, I feel like surrogacy is becoming more and more talked about and normalized. And I, I, I now use the term more interchangeably. All right. That's interesting. So this isn't the end of your family building journey, right? So what no. happened after that? We bring Lily home. 
you know, everything's great at her first birthday. We're like, okay, it took us four years to have our first kid. If that's going to happen again, we should start thinking about it. And so this is COVID, um, uh, like 2021 when around her first birthday and we only had one embryo. And for anyone listening, sometimes that intimidates gestational carriers to select a family with one embryo because they feel like it's a lot of pressure on them. Mm -hmm. um, If it doesn't work, and then they would possibly be waiting for the family to build more embryos. So it's not that you won't find somebody. It's just a little harder to match. So Mm -hmm. I elected to go through IVF again to have more embryos. so interesting. Okay. What a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And and you don't have to. You, I mean, I'm actually working with a family right now that has one embryo. So it, yeah, it's, like, it's just it, something to consider. Yeah, it's a factor. And I was like, you know, just you never know. I, yeah. So okay, we ended. So then up, how did that next round go? It went. It went great. I we had five that time. Okay, and um, you did you tested them like you did? We before? tested them again. They were normal. We did not find out the sex again. We just want them to pick the best one to put in. And so we call our agency to go through another agency journey. And they said, um, we can't quote any wait time because of COVID. So Michael and I were like, we're going to try an independent journey. We're going to see if we can find somebody. And if we can't find somebody in a year, six months, we'll call the agency again. Okay. So I post, like I said, almost like a dating profile on, yeah. on, a, on a bunch of surrogacy Facebook matching groups about Michael, my oldest daughter, what we've been through, why we need a surrogate, and then logistical information, like what our clinic's requirements are. And uh-huh. a guy reaches out to me and he says, my sister-in-law wants to be a, a surrogate, but she doesn't want to carry for me because if something doesn't work out, we're nervous to impact our family dynamic. And mm-hmm. So he was also on there looking for a gestational carrier, but read my profile and connected me with his sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. Okay. And long story short, that was who ended up carrying our baby who is now 15 months. Oh my gosh. Okay. So tell me about talking to her for the first time. Did you, was it like an instant match again and you yes. felt really good about it? And there, and her personality was a lot different. And then my first ones, but both of them, we just clicked with in different ways. And Sarah was just like, and we were also Michael and I in a very emotionally different place, which I can speak to in a second, but Sarah was so excited. It was going to be her first journey. She said she always had wanted to do it and help another family. She had really wanted to carry for her brother-in-law, but understood why there was some hesitations surrounding that. And she was just so lovely and selfless and just... Oh, an amazing person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell me about the mental state. So with, to have our oldest daughter, we never knew if we were going to become parents. We had just had two losses, just like this angst. And even with um, the preeclampsia and early delivery, we didn't know what was going to happen when Lily was born, our oldest. And with the second journey, it was more just like Lily brought like gave us so much joy every day Mm -hmm. that we were now just like excited like we knew our family wasn't complete but instead of feeling like terrible and heartache and just Mm gut-wrenched it was we can't wait to have another baby another give Lily a sibling and it was just a much more I would say we were very happy with our first time but like this was just joy like we were Mm -hmm. just so excited Okay. That's so interesting. And you're right. Like so much can change from year to year, depending on what's happening. Right. Exactly. Like when we had Lily running around, she was like a year and a half at the time. And 
you know, it was just like, we were distracted a little bit too. It wasn't like we were just hyper-focusing on um, if we were going to ever become parents. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happened next with the GC slash surrogate? <laughs> <laughs> she, we, she had a um, relatively uncomplicated pregnancy. We visited a couple times. So, you know, we was it, did fun. you say it was the first try? Yes. Okay. Both of the carriers were the first try, That's which funny. is incredibly lucky. It is. Yeah, it is. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, so I didn't need the extra embryos that I created. Okay. But good to have in case, right? Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And because when we we went for the transfer, my doctor said, I would just use your last one from your old batch. So you're not paying for two um, different storage fees. We have not used any of those embryos, but that's okay. You had, we had to do that to get to the next stage of our journey. Yeah, absolutely. So again, what does it feel like when you found out that she was pregnant? We couldn't believe it. We were just thrilled we were and we and this journey we hadn't told anybody for the first time everybody knew every step because they were so entrenched in our loss and what had happened to us and we needed that support and this time we had felt it would be really fun to surprise people because you know we just wanted that experience that other people who don't experience infertility get to have where one day they just have really fun news to share totally Yeah. So we just like wanted a moment of normalcy Uh and it was really fun. Nobody could believe we had pulled off a surprise like that. And it was just such an exciting feeling. And when we found out it was a girl, we couldn't believe it again Uh um, because our first two losses were boys. So I had just had in my head that we created more boy embryos and just this unbelievable sense of like joy. Like we couldn't, that it was going to happen again. Right. Oh, and what's your second baby's name? Luna. Luna. That's so cute. There's some cute baby pictures on your Instagram, which is surrogacy (laughs) simplified, which is a good segue to talk about. Tell me about this surrogacy consulting and concierge business that you've started. Yeah. I always knew I would come back to what had happened with my loss of my son and how I had such a terrible, like a a difficult road to becoming a mom. And I didn't know what that was going to look like if I was going to volunteer, if I was going to career change. Um, Fast forward to recently, I was just feeling like I was ready for a career change. And it occurred to me, I had two different journeys. I had an agency-assisted surrogacy journey and an independent journey. And there was something that I feel like just didn't really exist in the surrogacy space that I wanted to create. So what my company does is we guide intended parents every single step of the way um, from the idea of knowing they're going to pursue surrogacy all the way to the fourth trimester in case they need resources after the baby's born. And we do Zoom meetings. We do weekly. I, they can text me anytime. There's like no off-limit times. And these were things I had wished I had had during both of my journeys. Someone to help with all of the travel coordination. So getting the carrier to your home state for the embryo transfer or, or wherever your embryos are. Um, then when the intended parents are going in for the doctor appointments, help with booking all of that travel to be close to where the GC lives and her hospital and doctor appointments, relationship management. So curation of gifts for the surrogate, remembering little details like the surrogate's kids' birthdays, um, just if there's any issues between the the IPs, which is intended parents and the GC that they had someone that they could go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not match like an agency, but I guide them either to some trusted agencies for that component or the, I, there's now platforms that are coming up like Nodal and Expecting where they can look at a database and you can find people online mm-hmm. in addition to Facebook and just really 
every little detail, like there's connecting them to the lawyer, their health insurance, escrow, psychologist. There's just, it's a very complicated process. And Mm -hmm. my goal is really for intended parents to enjoy. And I joke relax because it's probably never going to be relaxing, but is, you know, if they can just be enjoying the journey as much as possible and letting me be the one blood, sweat, and tears. Right. What are some things that you've discovered, like after you started this, that are on the kind of to-do list or like, you know, like you mentioned gifts for the, the surrogate or, you know, remembering the birthday, like stuff like that. What are some other little things that you've discovered along the way that are important to, to help move through this process? Um, outside monitoring. So you're, when you're, when you're GC, she would come in for the medical clearance appointment, and then she would come in also for the transfer, but she needs to be monitored locally. So finding a local clinic and managing all of those appointments is definitely something I was like, oh yeah, this is a lot of work. Um, when I was doing it independently. And even when I helped my agency find places for um, Mm -hmm. my first time around Mm -hmm. and Remembering all of the little details, I would say, was something I had always wished I had help with. Like, there's just you're remembering your own the pregnancy, like how many weeks you are, when are the doctor appointments, when Mm -hmm. are her kids' birthdays? Oh, wait, this is her kids' big cheerleading competition. I better check in so they feel like because you want them, you want to be, you're invested in the family, and you want that relationship. This person's carrying your baby. Mm -hmm. The relationship just to be real, really, really amazing. So when somebody comes to work with you, what are the like one or two frequently asked questions about just the surrogacy process in general? I think how much it's going to cost and how quickly they can move through the process. Okay. And what do you say? What What is the current cost in your uh, estimation? I know so it's obviously different for everybody, it, but... It really is. And it's if you go through an agency, if you go th- independent, if you have a, consult, a, a consultant like myself, um, if you you know, if you have an experienced surrogate, I would say anywhere from 100 to 200,000, because in my, for example, my first journey, we had to start from scratch because our GC miscarried. So all of the fees for the attorneys, the psychologists, the medical clearance evaluation, this was um, travel expenses for them. This was thousands of dollars that I couldn't get back and I had to start over. All right. So tell me, Jesse, if somebody wants to work with you or get in touch with you, how can they find you? They can find me on, on Instagram, Surrogacy Simplified, or they can also find me on my website, which is surrogacysimplified.com. And then I do offer a complimentary initial consultation. So even if they're just wondering what surrogacy is, or they've just received the news that it's best for them to move forward with a surrogate, they can always just you know come to me and I can kind of let them know what the roadmap's going to look like. Mm-hmm. That's so helpful and so important. So before we wrap, I'd love to hear a couple of things, like a word of advice for somebody who might be just starting the surrogacy journey, feeling that overwhelming feeling that I know that you know so well. What are a couple of pieces of advice that you would give that person? I would say um, it's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to have hard days and just accept where you are in the process when you're ha- when you're going through those mo- motions knowing how much resources are available to you. I feel like I did not take advantage of all of the social media resources. Like there's so many amazing resources on Instagram and Facebook and on the internet. For me, when I was going through the journey, I wanted to like drown it out and just look at something like celebrity gossip, something lighthearted mm-hmm. when I was on my phone um, to, right. find, to mentally escape. But there are so many amazing resources available. Oh my gosh, I wish I would have looked that up a little more. Can you give us a couple specifics? What resources? 
Yes. So my Instagram has a lot of helpful hints if you're going through surrogacy. Um, the egg whisperer, Amy, Dr. Mm-hmm. Amy, she has such great advice. Um, the Love her. She, spot. she comes up a lot on my podcast. That's like the second time recently that somebody's brought up Dr. Amy. We love her. I work with her a lot. We yeah. And she's Fertility Rally members. A lot of our members go to her. So she's That's awesome. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the surrogacy spot, they have, she, um, she, they also have a really great, um, plethora of information available on their Instagram too. Okay, great. Good to know. So if, again, you know, if it's aside from resources, what about just mentally getting through this? I think finding something that is a way for you to escape, whether it's X for me, it was exercise. I loved Pilates. Um, It's hard for me to do it now with two littles um, to escape. Now I'm doing a lot at home now, but if you can find something to do, that's really just for you going on a walk, taking breaks, maybe a bath, just something to meditate, you know, get out of your mind a little bit of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then also just, like I said, having grace and not really giving up. All right, my friends, thank you so much for listening. Please go check out Fertility Rally. If you guys are looking for a safe space to land, we are a community. We're over 500 people strong all over the place, all over the world. We have five to six support groups per week. We have three private Facebook groups. We have IRL and virtual events, and it is literally a family like no other. It is just the greatest. I love it so much, and I love all of our Rally fam members. So come join us. Check us out on fertilityrally.com. We are actually running a special right now coming off Rally Live that our annual membership is just $169 for the entire year, which is crazy. Um, It's $30 off. So go to fertilityrally.com and hit membership and you can join there. There's also a monthly option, which is $19.99 per month. So you can join that too. DM me at Infertilife Stories if you have any questions whatsoever, or you can email us at thefertilityrally at gmail.com. But we'd really love to help you out no matter what you're going through. You don't have to go through this alone. So thank you for listening. Thanks again to Jesse. I will talk to you guys next time. Mm